of The Hilo, the weekly news, current affairs and pop culture podcast brought to you by journalists Dolly Alderton and Pandora Sykes. We're so glad to hear that so many of you enjoyed our author special with the journalist Laura Freeman, who wrote a wonderful book called The Reading Cure about how her appetite for books revived her appetite for food. Pandora suggested that I'll be able to read more books when I finish my worldwide book tour, which uh, this week is taking me as far flung as the Waterstones Guildford. <laughs> what have you been up to, Panda? I have watched the entire first series of The Bold Type, which is an Amazon Prime series about a glossy women's magazine, and I tweeted that it's like a woke how to lose a guy in 10 days. It's not remotely realistic. The editor is this heavenly matriarch who wants to further everyone's careers. <laughs> She's based on the British editor of US Cosmo, Joanna Coles, who is an exec producer on the show, funnily enough. But it's so feminist and feel good. And also I cried when the fashion assistant got her job because my heart is so malleable. Yeah, I think right we now. must flag that maybe because of the hormones rushing through you right now rather than the narrative brilliance of the bold type. You are dismissive of it. It is a really... I think it's a really good thing to have out there at the moment for people to watch. It's absolutely bang on in terms of storylines and diversity and self-awareness. And it's got shitloads of Nora Ephron quotes, Dolly. Okay, I will watch it. (laughs) I've also been listening to an amazing podcast series produced by Save the Children called Anywhere But Home. Dolly, you'd adore it. It's a six-part drama about real-life epic journeys. I particularly love the story about a sick baby found hidden under a pile of leaves in South Sudan. And the people who try and reunite the baby with its family before they are killed. One woman narrates on their journey they saw a pile of bodies slaughtered by machetes. They say they don't waste bullets on women and children anymore, she says. It's very powerful and moving and narrated beautifully by a really diverse and eloquent and just utterly engaging group of actors. So if you're looking for something a little bit different from your podcast, I would totally Mm. recommend this series from Save the Children. Dolly, what have you been enjoying this week? I've had to press pause on Mad Men. I've managed to watch four series, basically, in the same amount of weeks. And it got to a point where I was just having all my dreams about Mad Men. And I was very bored of all your tweets about Mad Men. I know, everyone is. I think I've lost a great deal of followers because of it. (laughs) And I was looking up the dates of birth of all the characters, not the actors, the characters, so I could work out what star signs they were to see how compatible they would be with each other. Oh my God. So, had to have a bit of a break on Mad Men, sadly. Adam Buxton is back! Is that why you're having a break on Mad Men? Well, I've saved them up for the gym, actually. uh, I'm sure they're brilliant. I think one is a film director and one is a musician, I think. But I'm very, very excited that he's back. I'm sure everyone who listens to The High Low seems to adore Adam Buxton, so I'm sure everyone already knows that. I feel like we might have sent a minuscule bit of traffic his way. (laughs) So what I'd like to say, Adam, is what are you going to do for us? Please come on our show, Adam Buxton. Um, I also found an Instagram page that I think you'll find rather amusing called sniper underscore watch underscore 101. 
and its description is two girls on an undercover mission to uncover and understand the silent epidemic of men in criminally pointed shoes. Oh, I've heard about this. And I do hate criminally pointed shoes. It's just these proper basic Burke shoes, lace up pointy long shoes that all men seem to be wearing on the tube. And it's just sort of sleuthing furtive photos of all these shoes. And it's just a very funny Instagram account. <laughs> we'll link that in the show notes. And then finally, I have just ordered a book on my friend Farley's recommendation after she sent a picture of a page of it to me called The Worry Trick by David A. Carbonell. And it's about managing thoughts and anxieties. And she sent one picture of a page that was about how stress and worrying is normally a reaction to a thought. And a thought is normally only ever an abstract thing that might happen. And she said what he argues in it. God, I need to get this book. Yeah, it's Farley said it's one of the best books she's ever read. And the other section that she sent to me is that if something was happening that we needed to be panicking about, we wouldn't be sitting and panicking, we would be fixing it. So if there was a fire in the kitchen, if the bath was overflowing, we wouldn't be sitting and contemplating it, we would be acting upon it. So That sounds like a great book. Yeah. We'll put that in the show notes yeah. as well. Support for the Hilo comes from the Google Pixel 2. Google has been built on asking questions and challenging the status quo. From maps to email search and beyond, Google has a history of looking at the norm and finding a better way. Each week we are going to do a curiosity challenge where we pose a question to one another which encompasses the Hilo's ethos of covering all things from the personal to the philosophical to the surreal. Dolly, we are seven weeks into 2018, but I am curious as to your prediction. Do you think this year is going to be a seismically powerful one for women or is it just hot air? Where do we go post Me Too, Time's Up from here? I think in terms of Hollywood, I think we'll see a massive difference in terms of Uh, women being in charge of the stories and women being in charge of the sets. I'm hoping that we'll see a change with equal pay. But as we always say in everyday life, to be a whistleblower, you need to have economic cushioning and you need a great deal of confidence and support around you. So sadly, I think the journey towards total equal rights will be a very long one. The Google Pixel 2 is the world's best smartphone, capturing your best ever photos, whether you're in bright light or dark evenings. So starry nights look as good as sunny days. Thank you very much, the Google Pixel 2. To herald the start of our maternity leave, or maturity leave, as I accidentally referred to it in an email to one of our sponsors, much to Dolly's delight, the Hilo will take a six-week break starting from this episode. We wanted to go out with a bang, so we decided to interview one of Hollywood's most in-demand, the Australian actor and the star and producer of I, Tonya. We're in a hotel in London with the Oscar-nominated actor and producer, Margot Robbie. Does it feel weird when people now introduce you as that, or are you like, God damn it, yes? <laughs> <laughs> no, it definitely feels weird. I'm still, yeah. I think, like, the best thing about the nomination is that it doesn't just uh, cease to exist once the award season's over. You kind of get to keep it. I'm going to cling on to it forever. I mean, 20 Do years from now, be? I'll, yeah. be in some, I'll be some washed-up actress doing a terrible <laughs> rom-com, but they'll still be able to introduce it as... Academy Award nominee, Margot Robbie. <laughs> also, I can that tell title. that that rom-com that you refer to will be one of my faves already. I, I, lo- I love a rom-com, yeah. 
Congratulations on I, Tonya. What a coup for the first film that you co-produced with Lucky Chap to be nominated. You're up for Best Female Actor and your co-star Alison, who plays your mother, is up for Best Supporting Actor. The Guardian called I, Tonya flawed, foul-mouthed fun. God, that's a tongue twister. Whilst <laughs> Enemy calls it a trashy triumph. There's so much alliteration in, yeah. those, in those reviews. With the Oscars mere days away, how are you feeling or is that slightly the worst thing that anyone can ask you right now we're beside ourselves we just did not expect it like our little scrappy indie film making it to all these prestigious events is kind of like Tonya Harding herself going to the Olympics whereby (laughs) we're pretty sure some people must be looking like how did you get here I was about to say it's art mirroring life but yeah you haven't got your husband to whack anyone exactly (laughs) yeah maybe you have he hasn't taken out Meryl Streep on the red carpet maybe he has we don't know what we don't know people are receiving death threats as we speak yeah I I just I didn't know about it (laughs) so in your own words because they will undoubtedly be better than ours can you give our listeners a precy of the film sure so um for anyone born 1990 onwards as I myself am, you might not know who Tonya Harding is, and I didn't when I read the script, but it's about a, a female figure skater. Uh, it's You see her whole life and the most poignant relationships in it between her mum, played by Alison Janney, and her husband, then ex-husband, Jeff Galuli, played by Sebastian Stan. She was the first US woman to land a triple axel in 1991, but that amazing athletic achievement was overshadowed by the incident as it's forever referred to uh, with Nancy Kerrigan whereby her ex-husband at the time Jeff Galuli orchestrated allegedly an attack on Nancy Kerrigan right before the Olympics thwarting uh, hopefully to clear her path for Tonya to win however Nancy went on to win silver medal and you kind of see how the country the media um, turned on Tonya and and uh, essentially ruined her life. It's a story of class, I think, the mm-hmm. film. Like she's, Tonya is consistently dismissed for being white trash, whether it's kind of her homemade outfits or the music she chooses or her makeup. Um, and she's abused by her mother and her ex-husband, played by, as you said, Sebastian Stan. But it's also a film that's imbued with vim and vigour and humour, which is not always easy when you're dealing with kind of heavy topics of domestic abuse. There's a line that's already become iconic, I think, in the script, where um, you say, as Tonya, as a woman who has been abused her whole life, she says of Nancy Kerrigan after she gets hit in the knees by her attacker, Nancy gets hit once and the whole world shits. (laughs) And it feels like Tonya is undoubtedly a victim, but she's not a passive one. She's this really spicy character, the way you the way you played her was that really important to you yeah absolutely and I had so much to go off you you watch any interview with real life Tonya Harding and she's the most unapologetic uh person most candid speaking interviewee ever um and I love that as as an actor that's really fun to play someone who's so unapologetic but it was also occurring to me that as she says things like I don't care what anyone thinks of me you can tell that she really did, that she was absolutely heartbroken every time uh, someone, uh, you know, there was, you know, people brought her down and said horrible things about her, crushed her. She really was just like a little girl looking for love. Um, all those things were hugely important in creating the character. And I just think it was really interesting to see a portrayal of a, of a victim, quote unquote, that she was so much more 
than a victim. And it's interesting that you totally. say about any interviews because there's that brilliant New York Times one mm-hmm. in January where the interviewer, I can't remember the name of the journalist, compares her to Monica Lewinsky as a, yeah. as a woman in her early 20s yeah. who has been punished by the public. And yeah. she's like, I'm no Monica Lewinsky. She's disgusting. Yeah. You know, she does not see, she still does not see herself as... I don't know as everyone else does maybe yeah no she clearly didn't see it. yeah and we never wanted to present her as a victim nor did we want to present her as the hero of the story but she wasn't she a villain is. either she's just a person and everyone has good and bad good and bad choices good and bad character traits I mean life is full of that and I think that's why the blend of humor and drama was important because it is more reflective of reflective of life sometimes there are moments of tragedy sprinkled with you know, hilarity that comes out of the absurdity of the situation. It never is one thing. And and I love that Steve and our writer didn't uh, kind of stick to one specific genre. I think it's more realistic, actually, to have a bit of everything in there. And he didn't try and redeem her, often with those underdog films. Yeah. Um, there's a happy ending, but with I, Tonya, there isn't a happy ending. You see a woman 20 years on chain smoking in mm-hmm. a Canadian tuxedo mm-hmm. and she's telling this story in quite a wry tone of the time that she almost became famous and she almost became rich and as you say it's it's kind of laid out all the conflicts of being a woman or being Tonya is just laid out without any kind of like yay and everyone gets to go home and you know yeah. we're all happy now yeah because it wasn't a happy ending she got banned from life from figure skating which was the only thing she you know her only safe and happy place in the world and they yeah, took that away from her it, was, it wasn't a happy ending at all um, we did actually shoot the real happy ending in real life is that she married a man that doesn't hit her and mm-hmm. has a child and that's obviously the best thing in her life and you can tell when she speaks about it that that's really where she's found happiness and peace in her life and we shot an ending where you know she has a baby and a husband And even though that's how her story actually did end up 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 until this point, it didn't feel right when we got most of the way through shooting the film. We just started feeling like this doesn't... I just don't want to put the message out there of like, oh, well, if you have a baby, it kind of solves all your problems. You know, like it it was like, no, let's end with the boxing. That's more symbolic of what we're trying to say here, Mm -hmm. which is that you can knock her down and she will get back up again. Women are so fucking resilient. Mm -hmm. And she she was. And despite all her less redeemable character traits, which we didn't want to shy away, away from, she does have them, we all do. Uh, despite all that, say what you want, but she called out unfairness when she saw it, and if she got knocked down by life, the media, her husband, her mum, whoever it was, she'd get back up again, and that's why we wanted to end with the boxing scene. Support for the Hilo comes from Treatwell, the brighter way to book beauty. Treatwell is not only the brightest way to book beauty, it's by far the easiest. Browse reviews before booking, find off-peak and last-minute prices, choose from over 25,000 salons across the UK and Ireland. Book easily online or on the app 24-7. Beauty where you want, when you want. How do you feel about spas, Dolly? Go pretty wild for a spa. I really love a well-earned spa trip now. I would happily spend every weekend in a hugely unflattering bathrobe, padding from lounger to steam room. Our chums at Treatwell are here to satisfy your unflattering bathrobe cravings. There are spas all across the UK on Treatwell. City spas, country spas, spas for foodies, spa days, spa breaks and afternoon tea spas. Perhaps we should go on one together after the baby arrives. We went on one before, disguised 
Finley is a writer's retreat. We ate dinner in bed and uh, drank a lot of rosé and watched Richard Curtis films, and I think that is a writer's retreat. There's also Mother's Day coming up on the 11th of March, so a nice present for your mum could be a spa gift. Will you get a Mother's Day present this year, do you think, Pandora? I think you're right on the cusp. Unfortunately, I'm not the one that can answer that. (laughs) Here's hoping. Whatever treatment you fancy, you can use the Hilo's exclusive discount for £10 off your first booking. Use code H-I-G-H-L-O-W-10, all in capitals. Thank you very much to Treatwell. Something that really appeals to us, I think something we talk about on our podcast a lot, is that we're entering this time where we're so obsessed with people being entirely good or entirely evil and they must Yeah, and they must be judged on one or the other. And it's so refreshing to me to hear you say that you were happy to approach a character where there were flaws, but there also were some amazing redeemable qualities as well. And that's as you say, the reality of human nature. Mm hundred percent. Yeah. Something I noticed is a very unlikable quality about her. She always points the finger elsewhere and blames outwardly. Well, they did this. That wasn't my fault. She says that a lot. That wasn't my fault. And we wanted that in there all the time. It's not a likable character trait. Mm. And it's one that she you see a lot in her interviews. But that is a part of who she is. Mm. And you have to recognize that she didn't have a support network around her. She didn't always make the best decisions. And that does contribute to where she ended up in life. Uh, But despite all that, her punishment, I think, was completely unfair. So did I, actually. I was really surprised that that was... I mean, it happened in real life as well. You know, mm-hmm. this is not this is not a work of fiction. And I think I read that when you read the script, you, was, you were surprised that this was actually a real-life story. Yeah, oh, I, I, I thought it was completely made up, for sure. It does seem, it does seem very severe. <laughs> I was like, wow, this writer is very specific. <laughs> absolutely off his rocker but I love it yeah and then I found it was all true and life often is way crazier than whatever we we do yeah it's so true I even think sometimes when something happens and I react in a way I'm like god if I was playing this scene right now my reaction would have been 10% of what I just did in real life it's like huge and on screen you (laughs) really try and dial it back but with these characters because we had the real life footage to go off we could go big we could have Alice and Janney in a fur coat with a bird on her shoulder and a bowl haircut you know it was <laughs> it was actually the most liberating thing to know that these you could go big because they were big yeah. yeah this must be a particularly important film for you as this is your first producer credit mm-hmm. what made you and your friends and your husband set up a production company a couple of things um Really, the catalyst for the company being formed was that a friend uh, who hadn't directed a feature before couldn't get his film made, and it was a very unconventional script, like Tonya, a different kind of script, but in the way that Tonya was unconventional when you read it. But I thought it was great, and I I thought, how are we ever going to find the next Wes Anderson, PTA, whoever, if we don't Mm -hmm. give first- and second-time filmmakers a chance? And being in a wonderful position in my career where I can get films greenlit if they're a small enough budget uh, I want to be giving a chance to first and second time filmmakers and then that idea kind of morphed into wanting to promote women in film in any way possible whether it's female protagonists or storytellers that was kind of the thesis behind the company when we really started forming it and uh, and then it became very popular to say that so we didn't want to say it we just kind of got on with our work but that was that was always our driving force and motivation uh yeah not necessarily to have work that would be starring vehicles for me but just to have work that was a platform for actresses directors writers dps whoever 
Um, not that we don't work with male filmmakers as well, uh, but we do definitely try and focus on female or first or second time filmmakers. You've said before that after The Wolf of Wall Street, where you obviously had that very iconic, sexy scene, not unlike Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct, that mm. you didn't want to just be doing kind of glamorous wives of, girlfriends of, mm. you know, those kind of mole-type roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels to us like the kind of choices that you're making are a bit like where Charlize Theron has chosen these like really gritty, unique, complicated stories. Is this something that, um, with or without the vehicle of your production company, you feel quite passionate about? I mean, you said that you really want to work with women, tell women's stories. We're obviously in a time now where people are finally listening oh, a bit yeah. more. Yeah. Still, still people are very much more. embracing that idea now, which is wonderful. Yeah. Was that an, yeah? Was that part of um, setting up Lucky Chap? Was that an important? Uh, I mean, I was. That was a conscious effort before we had the production company. I was doing mm-hmm. things like Zufa Zachariah. I was fighting for that role a year before. Wolf of Wall Street even came out. I knew that I needed to adjust people's perceptions of what I was capable of doing as an actor if I wanted to have variety and longevity in my career. And which, Harley Quinn as well. She's and Harley Quinn, complicated yeah. Women. Complicated again. And it's, uh, yeah, I think people, obviously, it's uh, sometimes the characters get characterized by the aesthetic. And it's funny because I don't actually, you know, people often say, oh, like, going from Wolf of Wall Street, Nadine and Wolf of Wall Street to Tanya Harding. And to me, actually, they're far more similar than, you know, Anne Burden and Zifa Zachariah and Tanya Harding. You know, they, they, they actually, to me, have far more character traits in common than, mm-hmm. than some of the other characters I've played. But I think sometimes the focus gets put on the aesthetic. But mm-hmm. I think it's important to show uh, a variation in the aesthetic, sure, but more importantly in, in the persona and the character themselves. Mm-hmm. And you're now acting and producing in a post-Me Too world. Have you experienced sexism in your career? And do you feel now, or not even now, but is your attitude kind of, this will not be tolerated by me or I will not tolerate it and anyone I see around me? What's kind of been your attitude throughout this quite odd time for Hollywood? Much needed, but odd. Yes, it, it is. It's hard for me to look at it through the scope of this just being a thing in the industry because I've experienced it far more in the world, just yeah, being a woman agreed. in the world. And everyone keeps asking me, like, oh, in the industry as an mm. actress. And I'm like, forget being an actress. I'm a woman in this world. Of course I've experienced it. Mm. My my on-set experiences have actually been amazing and, and uh, I've been very fortunate with the people I've worked with that I don't have a hashtag me too story mm. from being on set. From being in this world, hell yeah, thousands of them. Mm. And I think what is sad about that is I didn't even recognise that some of these things that were coming out could be categorised as harassment or abuse because we do grow up in a world where you kind of chalk it up to uh, guys being guys or Mm -hmm. locker room talk or whatever you want to call it is so present in our lives and always has been that I didn't even... I think there is an educational aspect that needs to happen. People need to know that this and this and this is not okay. You can say no to that. You can speak out against that. And and more importantly, that everyone's going to support you if you do. That's that's a huge turning point for everyone and society, I think. But uh, no, if it, within the industry, I definitely recognise that it's a male-dominated industry. I feel the sexism in that regard. Uh, have I suffered sexual harassment in this industry? No, but uh, as a woman in this world, 
God, yeah. yeah. And in terms of you as a woman in this world, something that I'm interested in is how do you kind of fight the good fight now? That's something that Pandora and I always talk about. Like, what can we do both every day and in maybe a wider sense to help achieve this equality? Yeah, I know. It's something I'm still trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure out what can I do to help, and it's something I ask myself all the time. I'm in this unique position. How do I... How do I what can I be doing with it? You know, yes, you can donate money. Yes, you can speak out. Yes, you can start a production company and actually try and see the changes you want to see happen in the industry. But is it enough? Is it the most effective way? Am I utilising my character traits in a way that's going to benefit everyone? You know, there's some people that I feel, you know, like when Jessica Chastain speaks, for example, you're like, God, that was powerful. I don't think I speak about it in a way as powerful as she does. So I think, okay, maybe I need a do do more than I say and and I don't know I'm trying to figure out what's my most effective way to help and I think doing what I can young women yeah. yeah and I think as well that sometimes you can focus too much on the very big life-changing things but it's more about kind of what you can do day to day to help other women absolutely absolutely even if it's just pulling up your friends and being like that's not cool to say totally don't say that or don't don't speak to me like that. That took me years. To, it's only in the last couple of years that I've been able to turn around and say that to someone. I used to cop. I, I would never. We both say that. You know, yeah. it's it's something that comes with age. I think. Yeah, yeah smile and nod, and 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 it's not until the last couple of years I actually stop and say, I'm not okay with that. Don't say that. Don't mm-hmm. speak to me like that. Whatever it is, I don't know if it's something that comes with age or experience or whatever. But it's it's stuff I'm still figuring out. Margot, you're one of the most in-demand and watched Hollywood actors, but we've also read that you have a secret Clapham past, <laughs> which makes us so happy. That's a badly kept secret, I feel like everyone knows. Because it turns out even the most glamorous and successful superstars have done their kind of grotty flat share years. So you now live in LA, but yes. tell us the truth. Do you miss the sticky carpet of Inferno's <laughs> and the McDonald's on the Northcott Road? And we know it's oh sticky, we've both been there. Oh yeah. Of course I do. Are you kidding? It was like the best years of my life. I've had a, I mean, I've been living out of home since I was 17. I moved to Melbourne, a different state. And uh, I've been living with roommates up until last year. So like nine years of roommate experiences. But my time in London was by far the funnest. It was crazy. Yeah, we were in Clapham. There were seven of us in a four bedroom place. We were literally picked the place that we moved into because it was so close to Inferno's. Um, (laughs) I'm not kidding. really loved that place. Yeah, well, I'd heard about it a lot, but I had only been once and got kicked out very quickly. So, um, but my my roommates, they, they, it was, it sounded notorious and they're like, we found a place that's around the corner from Inferno's. I was like, sign me up. Uh, Yeah, we had a, we had a great couple of years in Clapham. Margot, thank you so much for speaking with us today. I, Tonya, is out now. So get your asses down to the cinemas, high lovers. <laughs> thank you so much to Margot Robbie for speaking with us. Little does she know that she is actually Pandora's hair idol. She's clearly a woman who is so much more than her physical parts, but there is no denying that her parts and her hair are pretty mighty. I, Tonya, is out in the UK on Friday the 23rd of February. Best of luck to Margot and Alison. And that's it from us until April. The Hilo inbox and Twitter will be active, albeit sluggish, so please don't expect replies during this time. If you're missing us, why not tune in to Dolly's other child, Love Stories, which will be running for another eight weeks. Or if you want a break from both of us, full stop, we don't blame you, go discover some lovely podcasts and books and then write to us and tell us all about them. 
Bye-bye. We'll miss you.